Today's episode is brought to you by Healthy Hemmed Kombucha. Handcrafted, organic, live, probiotic, raw kombucha produced by an OG core lord, Jared, down there on the mid-north coast. Hit him up on Instagram at Healthy Hemmed and get your mitts on some of this chronic gut juice. The creme de la creme in kombucha. Ain't That Swell is also proudly supported by the Surfers Journal. The October-November issue is out right now, and it's a stonker. And of course, our very own surfing world, the Core Lords Quran, with none other than Marubra's mad Max McGuigan on the cover, rinsing his corn absolutely see-through at maxing shippies. Well played. Ain't That Swell presents Core Lords. <laughs> Today's guest is the Australian slab specialist, Kip Caddy. Kip was still recovering from a near-fatal injury suffered at a South Coast slab when we spoke to him, the circumstances of which are utterly cosmic and will be discussed at length in this episode. Prior to that, he was in career-best form as he engaged in a mortal cone quest throughout Australia and the Pacific alongside Nathan Florence a guy I'm claiming is the best in the world when it comes to cones of mortal coniquence. Kip not only kept pace with the Hawaiian madman, he outsurfed him at times, I thought, and the pair's antics had me glued to Nate's YouTube channel. What a series it was, and still is. It's still going. I was really eager to hear what Kip had learned during this insane tour to slab with the Hawaiian cone fiend, and delve a bit deeper into Kip's own story. Recording in progress. Got it. Got it, mate. Good to have you on the program. We've been trying to pull it for a while, but you were on an endless cone quest, and, uh, mate, you never interrupt a man when he's on an endless cone quest. Yeah, it's all finally come together, eh? Better late than never. Yeah, finally come together just as your hamstring has come apart, but... uh, it's often the way, isn't it? Like, I don't know what would have stopped you, mate. You're on the fucking craziest conical journey. It's definitely a pretty funny one. Like, I feel like an injury is like almost the time where you get to rest and it's just like, oh, I actually don't have to worry about checking a forecast or going surfing or doing anything. Like, I can actually just chill out and not worry about surfing for two minutes. It's pretty funny. Yeah, man. I was wondering about that. Like, how do you go getting yourself up to surf waves of the sort you and Nate were chasing on the regular? Like, do you get kind of burned out from it? Or, I mean, I guess at your age and with your skill level, like you probably just love it, but fuck man, like the, the toll that must take on your body and your, your mind and your fucking cortisol and adrenaline levels. Fucking hell. Yeah, it's, su- it's such a funny one. Like we'll, we'll hit a bunch of swells back to back and then like it, it kind of all catches up. And then it'll be like, I don't know, maybe three, three, four days max. And you're just like, the itch is just back straight away. It's just, it's just a funny one because I don't know. Yeah. You you get so burnt out, but it's like two days at home and you're like, all right, where am I going now? I'm fired up again. Like, yeah. And talk to us about like, you know, in those kinds of conditions, what is your mental state like? Like, are you just, purely trying to avoid injury like how do you balance out uh you know getting the the waves you want sending it but 
staying safe because it seems to me whenever you're around those kinds of waves and you're talking to people who surf them, the attrition rate is so high. Like there are so many injuries so often. How do you how do you get the waves that you want to get but keep your nose clean at the same time? I think as you as you dive into it a little deeper, you start to you start to pick your battles a bit more and you kind of you pick your moments of of when it's time to really push it. And like even for an example, this year we went down to shippies and you know, there was definitely waves. It was 12 foot, a little bit of a little bit of chop through it, but it was still there was still sick barrels on offer. But I just looked at it and I'm like for what I'm going to get out of today, opposed to the risk there is, it's just not worth it. It's like you kind of just want to be be waiting for those days where it, you know it's a it's a freak swell, it's super clean, and then you kind of just want to put everything on the line, I guess. But while you start kind of getting used to surfing heavier waves, it's like you kind of just want to be any opportunity you get, you just want to be surfing and getting a feel for it and getting your boards right. But once you get to a spot where you're like you're feeling comfortable and you kind of just pit, you're waiting for those moments, and then you you just putting it all on the line when that comes. Mm, mm. Save up, save up all the sands for for one big sand. Hey, yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. And like, if you hurt yourself, you kind of want to make sure you you you're doing it in a moment where you, you could get the glory you're chasing, kind of thing. Yeah, and, and you're fully committed to that moment. So, like, at least you know you did everything in your power, uh, you know, to knife one. That's big and and scary and consequential, as opposed to you know doing something at the tail end of a session when you're a bit tired, or the tail end of a run of swell when you've already had your feel. And um, there's a lot of traps you can fall into in your game. There's so, there's so many traps, and it takes a while to figure them out. And also, as I said, like pick those moments. And and one thing that I definitely used to try and like psych myself up to to surf these ways. And as you get like as I'm getting deeper into into chasing swells and starting to get the hang of it, it's kind of like the opposite. I want to be just like really mellow and kind of taking it all in and and not just kind of amping yourself up to just send send a slab or something. Like you, you kind of because when when you get all pumped up, you like used to listen to some heavy music and stuff, and then you'd kind of just end up just skitting out and you wouldn't you wouldn't be reading what's going on as well. Whereas now it's like the opposite. You kind of just want to be slowing everything down and. And because in these sessions, there's kind of, there's always only like two or three waves that are the waves. And when you're looking at 100, 100, 200 waves a session, trying to figure out exactly what that wave is uh, as well. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's an interesting battle and you kind of just always trying to keep yourself in check. The Zen of slab riding, the Zen of cones of mortal coniquence. I like it. It's, it's so true, man. Like at the end of the day, if you're super fired up, like you're not really thinking straight, you know, there's, there's that, that kind of balance between uh, what, what is it like performance and arousal state, like where you kind of reach maximum peak performance is it's a balance between being too aroused and, and not aroused enough. You, you kind of need to maintain the, the, yeah, the Zen sure. to a degree. Like if, if you, if you get in super, super fired up and aroused, like that's when you definitely make those, those little errors where, when those like crazy moments all come together, it's it's purely you're just in the flow state and there's almost not even a thought process. It just kind of it's more like if you just feel it and it just kind of comes together. Yeah, yeah it's so fascinating. Different. And what you're saying there, like there's only two to three waves uh, in a session of 100 or 200 waves. That that's such a good point because in those kinds of conditions, 
Um, you know, you're often looking at waves. Uh, you, you're looking at every set wave and you're doing the maths as best you can. Is this the one? Is this the one? And and doing that like 50 or 100 times in a, a three-hour, two-hour kind of window, like, yeah, it, it, it's – it's it's rattling in its own way. You can feel you can start to feel like a a, a dog or a, a cow because you you're not going waves. You um you often let waves go through that that maybe you could have gone and it starts to, it can play on your mind. And then there's the 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 weight of the crowd as well where you you kind of like oh fuck I just passed up a sick one like and you, you haven't had a wave in ages and you think you need to do something to impress people. You know that the hierarchy of um the lineup and especially in your at your level when you've got photographers and, and filmers that and serious resources behind you to, to get you to these places. There's a lot of mental uh, kind of chess going on. It, it's a crazy game, man. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a Jedi battle. You're kind of trying to like, I don't know, it's a funny one. Because you know that wave is going to come at some point and, and when, you, when you're at these like big wave spots and it's the day of the day, you know there's probably 10 other people that have got their eye on that particular wave as well. So that that also comes into it, and it's like, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's interesting. Now I'm starting to surf more and more epic days and waves around the place. You kind of like, you want to go to these places and get that magic magic wave when it does come through. And yeah, it's definitely, it's 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 a chess game, navigating the lineup and throwing some curveballs in, and and just trying to like, yeah, I don't know, get 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 that moment you're after. Yeah, that's a whole other layer I didn't even think about. Yeah, you, you're up against surfers of a, a similar level who, who are super elite, who, who read the ocean just as well as you. Um, so, yeah, often, you know, you might have to dummy guys into waves and, uh, you know, sell them on like ones that aren't that good. And, yeah, that, that's a whole other level of it. It's so funny too because sometimes you get these crazy swells and like those games can sometimes even happen before the swell even, even arrives. Like – you know, people trying to figure out which spot to go to and where's the spot. And like coming into a swell, my phone just gets blown up. Like, like you get so many calls from everyone just like psyching, pumped up. And it's, yeah, it, it's, it's a pretty funny one. That's heavy because a lot of these people I imagine are your mates, but at the same time, as close a friend as you are to those people, like if there's, if you whip one of them into your spots, your coordinates, like the chances are he's going to have at least one friend with him. And then immediately like your chances of getting that wave you want, they just begin to halve and halve again. And that's yeah, awkward. exactly. That's awkward. And, and, and these days that you're waiting for, like then it's not as if they're just coming around like all the time. Like it's so far and few between actually getting a good, a good chance to kind of chase down that cone you're after. But yeah, so when they do come around, it's yeah, you, you do you do definitely feel you feel guilty sometimes, like not answering calls and just trying to keep a lid on it. But it's kind of all part of getting that moment you're after. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's your passion and your livelihood, and that's just the reality of where surfing is at now. That there's a lot of people that want those kinds of waves. It's it's a you know pretty new phenomenon. You go back 10, 20 years, and pretty much all the waves that you guys are surfing now were bodyboarding only. Um, but, but that's, that's changed so much and fuck, man, there is nothing worse than surfing waves of this kind of consequence with a heavy crowd on them as you just found out. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it's, it's, it's such a tricky one, but like, you never just want to discourage people from trying to get their wave of their life or 
you know, having the session of their life. But yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a tricky one for sure. Man, it was it was so so heavy to see what transpired with your injury, given the the role you're on. I felt like you're building such crazy momentum, and you know you'll come back um, bigger and better than ever. But it was just such a crazy run, like you, you and Nate chasing slabs all over Australia, um, and then yeah, at, at the end of it all, you kind of have this little break, and then you surf in what is a a fairly by your standards, I would say, uh, you know, fun day at, at, at depot, if there is such a thing. Um, but yeah, like talk us through what actually happened there and, and and yeah, how you're, uh, how you feeling at the moment? Yeah. Well, yeah. Like you said, we, we kind of, we scored, we pretty well scored a a fair few of the premier breaks here in Oz kind of close to as, as good as they got. And, um, we, each session we're kind of getting sick ones and then um went over to indo kind of thinking the season would fire up there and it was kind of just like a lot of medium fun swirls nothing crazy um so it was almost like a bit of a holiday and then just cruised home and feel the the groms that i'd um hung out with over in indo ha- just happened to be down on the south coast getting a feel for it for the first time and they were out from hawaii and i was like well, you know it's not going to be a giant day but let's definitely go check it out like it's probably you know one of the best ways we have to offer and um yeah it was it was a huge learning curve in the sense that like just because it's not as crazy or as big as i've surfed it it still deserves like a lot of respect um yeah if it you, you i've surfed it since i was like 13 so going on like 13 years and never really gotten busted up out there or to be honest, I haven't even had really had that many wipeouts out there, but yeah, that one, that one got me in and it was on probably about a, a day as small as you'd surf it. And there was definitely lessons to take away from that for sure. Talk us through what actually went down. Like I've seen the clip. I imagine, you know, a lot of people have seen the clip, but also a lot of people haven't. Um, yeah. I mean, talk us through, yeah, just exactly what happened. Yeah. I, I was um kind of, I went out there on like a really short board because I wanted to see how small a board I could ride that day. And it turns out it was just a little bit too small. And then, so I gave the, one of the Hawaiian groms had my board that I, I normally ride out there and, and he got a bunch of sick ones. I was like, yeah, let's keep getting waves. And then he got a really good one. I'm like, Oh, I might grab one now. And I grabbed the board, paddled out to the lineup and like literally sat there for a second. And um, there was a set, and I think there was a couple of ways before it that were a bit smaller and everyone was a bit, little bit further in. And then I paddled out to, to the wave I caught and um, no one, like no one was really, I was just happened to be in position and um, I've dropped in and I think the lad paddled for the wave before and just got caught out of position. Um, like definitely it's, it's a funny wave. You can think you're in the spot and you can paddle hard and it can just keep moving further in and just ledge under you. And I'm guessing that's what that what happened, and then he's just being caught out for for that next wave as it's come through. Right. And so, what what's your vision as you're knifing into that thing? What can you see? Yeah, well, I kind of like I kind of halfway down. I kind of like the rail was just catching a bit, so that kind of had my attention for a second and kind of slowed me down. Which, in hindsight, was probably really lucky because I would have caught the brunt of the board probably even worse. But I've just scooped under the lip and then I just kind of seen the board was just hovering, hovering up in the lip. And I'm like, I'm, I, don't, I think I'll be sweet. I'm not sure. And I just kind of had the lip right next to me, like so, so close next to me. And like, 
I was kind of where the foam ball was. And I'm like, my kind of only option here, I got nowhere to jump off. I just got to like kind of slow down and I've just slowed down and it just came like straight for me. Just connected. Fuck man. Uh, I've been thinking that this might happen at that wave more than any other wave. It's been insane. Cause like I've kind of been there. I was there that kind of that first session when I seen Morgo transition the place from a part like a toe wave to a paddle wave because when i was 13 i was like, like i was on my 13th birthday i went out there and um it was just a toe wave everyone was towing it was a giant day and i think it was morgo it was definitely morgo and i think birch might have paddled a couple as well and um that's kind of when it transitioned from a toe wave to a paddle wave and then you know there's been some really big days and and people don't realize that if the tide's low and it's big enough there's actually a second ledge where where it can probably go top to bottom and and it'll clear the whole lineup out. So I've definitely thought at some point, like one of those boards is going to hit someone. I didn't think it would maybe be the way that, that it happened with me, but I thought maybe, you know, one of those boards would get caught in a big cleanup set and maybe connect with someone. Cause there's just like, there's like 40 people and there's, there's just like nowhere, nowhere to like jockey or move out of the way. So I've actually like, I've had sessions out there where it's been borderline capping on the next ledge and I'm like, kind of was always a little bit hesitant to maybe sit right in where you wanted to be just in, on the chance that happened. Cause these boards are like, you know, some of them are hundred liters and they weigh like 15 kilos. Like it's just, you don't want to be getting tangled up, tangled up with them, but kind of thought, yeah, as I said, at some point it was going to happen. I, I didn't, I definitely didn't think it was going to be me and I didn't think it was going to like come, come on from like the way it did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the other guy who springs to mind who's, who's nearly had his head taken off out there was, yeah, Paul Morgan. Uh, the, the Lockie Rambouts, Paul Morgan, just like, you know, a miscommunication on a seriously consequential wave. And yeah, it, that was um, that was a funny one. I was there that day too. And um, like, I get it because the wave is so skit and it's like you're dealing with 15 foot waves with a fair bit of period behind them and, and they ledge out and slab like a normal slab and you got these giant boards. And so it kind of like, it just frizzes you. Like people... Like it's like their circuits just fry out and it's just like, you know, it's just a snap moment where you just swing and you're in this like weird zone and they just sent it and, and morgues happen to be on the inside, which is probably the guy that like, you don't want to burn. He's like the godfather of the spot. Um, there was definitely like heated words on that occasion, but you know, they're sorted out and Lockie kind of surfs the place as good as anyone now. And um, what he does is pretty crazy, but yeah, I, I guess the point is just, just the way it can play with people's minds and like, you, you know, you literally pulls you so in the zone. You don't even realize there's someone on the inside. Mm, yeah. And they're coming from so deep, like fully backdooring it pretty much hidden from view. Like I imagine yeah. in that situation with Lockie and Morgs, and it just goes to show like they're pretty much the two best guys out there uh, yeah. or, or two of the best guys out there. So if they can get it wrong and nearly fucking kill each other, like it can happen to, to anyone. Yeah, for sure. And like, but it's not as if, the Grom was like an incompetent surfer. Like he packed a sick one that day and got like, you know, got properly coned. Like it's just one of those things when, when you're caught out and that board's that big, um, there's just, there's not really a way around it. Like, mm. That's the craziest thing about that joint, man. I, I mean, obviously the wave is insane. It, it's basically a heavier version of pipeline, but then because there's no real chip, like it's yeah and the way it ledges and, and moves so quick it, go, it trips me out too how it goes from like 
the, the lump of ocean, when you're looking at footage of it, it, it looks four foot. And then when it hit, when it ledges, it's like fucking 10 to 12. It's, it's the, such the a footage, tricky joint. The footage you see is like so crazy. But then when you're actually like on top of the peak and you're about to drop in, like it just looks so much more steeper and bowled out than any clip ever would give it justice for. Um, but yeah, it's like I've seen some of the best guys in the world come down that break and just be like, just tripping, like spun out on it. Yeah, imagine trying to knife waves uh, in that size range on like minimum like eight o kind of surfboards. It, it's a crazy fucking concept. Like especially when you think that you know, like the way slab surfing's developed, kind of from bodyboarding uh, and and the lines they were taking into them, riding forty inch pieces of foam, uh, and, and like you know scooping in on on the smallest possible equipment, and then you guys are riding the exact same wave on 8.0 boards like it, it, it seems almost impossible like the, the the algorithm or the the maths of it doesn't yeah, really work but you guys have figured out a way to do it it's so crazy because like that day that that i did get busted up i took a 6.8 out there because it like from the car park probably looked like maybe six to eight foot ended up maybe getting a little bigger and uh, it was it got a bit better as the tide dropped when we got out there but like i was like surely on a 6.8 i can sit under the ledge and just like swing and knife them and i think i got one wave like jumped out of the lip on another one and then went and sat in the channel i was like this is it's not even like nearly possible to surf at this at six to eight foot on on a six eight like it just doesn't work mm. yeah and i guess the only entry point into that wave on, on boards bigger than that is just like it's not going to fit in the the cupped out part so you just have to go from behind it and completely backdoor it pretty much yeah it's definitely like it's definitely the easiest way to, to kind of take it on. Whereas like, I guess if you're not familiar with the break, you might just try and take it on the peak because you feel like going deeper might be harder when it's actually kind of the opposite. Yeah. Like it's to, you can kind of knife from behind and that, that's the easiest, definitely the easiest entry. Fuck, it's so crazy. And, and you know, it being the South Coast of New South Wales with, yeah, you got long period swells but it's you know like it's pretty open ocean like they're coming at at the ledge from all different directions and like to be able to yeah i i love talking about this wave it just trips me out like to be able to position yourself on a such a dynamic wave like that and 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 backdoor it and knife it on a board yeah like definitely as well i got so much respect for the guys like Morgo and there's, you know, Nathan Bartlett's and you got all these crew that are on their forehand. And I just feel like that must just be a whole nother headache. Like trying to deal with that, the steepness of that and the board that big and then trying to knife it. Like at least us guys in our backhands, we, we can kind of like dig that rail in and just grab the rail and connect it. Like those guys in the forehand, they're just going, they're steep and vertical, just have to go straight down. And they do it so well too. So crazy. And so what happened when the board hit you? Yeah, so it um it kind of like it it was kind of it's all it's all it was all a little bit like hazy, but basically it just hit me in the head and it was just like a like a gnarly vibrate and then I was kind of like it must have been right towards the end of the wipeout. It, everything kind of just went black and I just remember it felt like my head was disconnected from my body and it like if you picture it in like outer space and there was like no body connected to my head and then I was just trying to fight my way back into my head, like into consciousness. Mm. It was such a trippy experience in that sense. Like just, I, I remember like I was out, but like trying to come conscious and like going in and out 
and then um eventually just used like every little bit of energy and just got back into my head got just got to the surface like signaled i was cooked and then um i just remember the boys being around me and i think shane shane rode like the first wave in and he was there straight away and i've seen him in a lot of situations where things things have gone pear-shaped and he's super super confident he's done the training like and um so he was there that, that, that was good and then yeah there was i think russ came in and Lockie and all the boys and they just um just made sure I was sweet. And then it's kind of set in like halfway in because it's about a kilometer out to sea. So we had to paddle in and that's kind of when it all set in. Like my, my hamstring started to get really sore and I was kind of felt a little bit vertigo-y, but I don't know. It's it, it's a weird thing. I've never been like, I've had little concussions, but like a, a proper concussion, it, it trips me out. Like how much you think you're okay, but you're actually not. Um, And it just sparks me back when you see these guys in the football field and they just get, KO'd and then they're like running around as if nothing happened. Yeah. And it's kind of like that. And then come come that evening, um, yeah, everything kind of set in a bit more. Yeah, that's crazy, man. So essentially you saved your own life. Like I like I've been in I've had some bad concussions and I know what that feeling is like. You know, it's like a someone fucking set hits a gong inside your head it's like yeah that's like, what it was like yeah it's like crazy. you're living inside a fucking tibetan gong like i got like a triple vibration and then next minute it was like i'm just getting to the surface and i don't know what happened in in, in that kind of maybe 10 or 15 seconds or whatever it was oh man but um yeah that's when the hemi got done so i don't even didn't even feel that or realize that it happened until later yeah and and I also know that sensation of trying to fight your way back into consciousness, but the idea of doing it underwater is crazy, man, because you you aren't in control of really anything. You're, you're kind of just trying to create uh, like the sensation of, of being present. It's hard to explain, but it's like, you're you're just trying to yeah regain consciousness and it slowly comes back. But in that time that you're underwater, you're, you're potentially like your mouth is open. You know, you could just be sucking in so much water and just sink. Yeah. It kind of, it's kind of like reminded me of like a, you know, like a dog fight, like just kind of going this way and it's going back that way. And then just like wrestling back into it. Like it just, I, I don't know. I kind of I like, wasn't completely with it, but I just knew that it wasn't the time to, to, not be conscious like I, I had to fight because I, I like as well there's no ski out there that day which we never circle without a ski and that's just another lesson that like because it's small doesn't mean it doesn't deserve you know the I don't know like as it deserves it deserves credit still even like when it's gnarly but um yeah I, yeah it was, it's kind of hard it was a pretty trippy experience fuck man so glad you're okay like I'm just thinking now of um Kalar Grace and like it's very similar situation really where, you know, he, he, I mean, I guess he, he just got clean knocked out, but that's what can happen. Like, and they, yeah. they had two water patrols there and they were on him within fucking yeah, I, I guess 10 seconds. That, that, was, that was the point I was trying to make. Sorry, I got a little bit sidetracked, but um, I kind of knew that, that maybe that the help wasn't there. So I knew, I knew it was, you can kind of, you can get at like out there, like sets are going off and everything's happening. And like, you could very easily just slide under the radar and people, you know, mightn't even know that something had gone down. But I guess what, where I was lucky was people that were going over the edge of the wave, obviously seen it happen and, and had close eyes on because they, they knew 
they knew it connected. Um, but like in my head, I didn't know that. So I, I felt like I was in the biggest like fight of my life. And I guess I woke up the next day and I'm like, fuck, maybe that's what it feels like to be a UFC fighter. Like that was pretty hectic. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Oh, fuck. Yeah, crazy that like even with those guys knowing that you were knocked out, like the chances of you filling up with water and, and just that alone, like that, 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 that can kill you. Just filling up yeah. with water, eh? Like, don't, don't quote me on this, but I think that from what I've heard, I think if you, if you pass out and your, your mouth is closed, you're, you're like your muscles will maintain that and you won't open up and let water in. Um, so that's, that's an interesting little, little yeah, little I'm bit. glad, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I've always wondered about that. Like, do you, like, so. Except I've heard like if you're if you're like gonna black out like if you get a crazy long hold down you're gonna black out like the most important thing is to just hold your mouth closed until the very end and not like gasp and take water. Yeah, and so what was the what was the aftermath of of that head knock like? Yeah, it was it was like a good week, probably like the those day kind of like two three four. I was kind of like just really forgetting what was going on. And just, I, I think I mentioned it in the, on Instagram or whatever, but basically it was just noises were just frustrating me, man. Like one noise was fine, but if there was multiple noises on the room, like I'd just it'd be really aggravating, which is just weird. Cause I'm like ne- not an aggro person at all. Mm. And um, so that kind of, that was an interesting one. And then just, you know, getting off the phone and forgetting conversations that I had was, was definitely scary, but I kind of like, just got on the program and just stay kind of strong and it, it kind of cleared. Yeah. And have they given you like a good protocol to repair any damage? Well, I think that's the hardest thing about concussion is like, there's not that many answers of what you can actually do. Like, I guess that the, the thing they say is to just be staying off, staying off devices and, you know, not exposing yourself to bright lights and just being in a nice, like quiet environment. It's kind of like the, 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 the basically the brain just kind of needs time to repair and heal. Um, but yeah, if, I guess if it, if it definitely kept continued, I was going down the avenue of going to find people to get on top of it, but it kind of each day just got progressively better. Yeah. Oh, that's good, man. Yeah. Rest is key. Good sleep hygiene, you know, like that's the thing. Yeah. I think you want to be getting that. Yeah. You want your nine, nine, 10 hours of good quality sleep. Yeah. And making sure you're not looking at, at white lights and bright lights within an hour going to bed and get on the fish oils and the turmeric and the CBD oil and, uh, yeah. And the, uh, mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, uh, they have a place for sure. Um, I, that seems, it seems to be a lot of promising data, uh, or at least like anecdotal evidence coming out of the, the guys who've had a lot of concussions around mushies and that. Um, yeah, I, I use that, um, definitely not a plug, but that, um, brand Superface, they have like a neural nectar. I just kind of like put that in my coffee every morning. I definitely notice I'm a little sharper when I'm when I'm using it for sure. Sick. That's a good tip, man. Yeah, I got the super feast mushy. See, I don't have the neural nectar one though. That's that's huge. I think yeah. the neural nectar is like a combination of a bunch of bunch of the mushrooms kind of all put together. But oh, yeah, wow. definitely once I start when I start taking it, definitely, definitely help for sure. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And yeah. Another one other thing I always I've always found when I've had like little knocks or I want to sh- sharpen up is um just learning like a new skill like i think one time i kind of had a knock and i just got really into chess and i found like it helped so much 
like any kind of new skill, whether it's like a new language or, you know, um, maybe an instrument or something like pu- pushing your brain to learn something that it's not used to. It's kind of like, I guess, going to the gym for your brain. Love that, man. I love that. That's that's a great tip. Yeah. And I've heard oxygen, just getting as much oxygen to the brain as possible is really good. And that, I guess that's the theory behind why people go and sit in hyperbaric chambers. And Yeah, they're um, pretty, pretty epic, eh? Pretty epic. I've never done that, but you know, Wim Hof, I do a ton of that, and that's the same same idea, just pumping heaps of O2 into the brain and meditation. That's the whole reason I took up meditation was cause of concussions. But oh man, it's good. Good to hear that you you're on the mend. And uh the Hemi man also like talk us through that. Fuck, that that was graphic, like your description of it that I read. Yeah, it's pretty um like the the doctor I had an epic doctor and um she was like, Look, there's like a, there's a lot of blood in there. The the injuries had like a lot of trauma. But I guess the silver lining was you have three hamstring muscles and it was just one of the hamstring muscles. And um, basically your other ones can take a fair bit of the load as well. Like the doctor that I had actually took took care of like the Matildas and did like, you know, like Sam Kerr and all that. Basically the hamstring I have torn, you can take, they take pieces of that to replace the ACL. Um but yeah, I guess the rehab is just like super crucial because if, if you don't do the proper rehab, you just end up with a with a whole lot of scar tissue and and it and just it becomes this ongoing problem. So if you don't like those first few weeks are super important to get it moving and then you just want to want to keep moving. Cause I think as the fibers heal, they don't heal in the direction the muscles use. So you've got to use the rehab to show the muscle like which way it needs to work. So then the fibers will then they'll actually essentially turn and then strengthen. Hmm. It's yeah, pretty pretty crazy. Like obviously, I know every time you get injured, you end up learning it, learning a bunch of stuff, and you come out of it better and stronger. But it was definitely it's about without it coming off the bone, it's pretty well as bad as you could do a hemi. Yeah, right. So what was it? it was like the, the tear was like three centimeters wide or something? Yeah, just just under just under three centimeters, oh, and then yeah, pretty pretty deep, and then. And the length, it was the full length of the hemi, right? Full length, yeah. So from just under my my like butt all the way down to my knee, pretty much. Oh man, that's that's wild. Um, and I guess Fanning's one was off the bone, huh? Yeah, I went, went. Yeah, it was. It's a longer recovery, but I think the doctors kind of thought. She said, like, before I got my MRI, that it's not maybe the worst thing because they can what they do is they just hook it back on. Obviously, it takes a lot longer to recover but then that's kind of it um whereas this is like i guess it's so deep and so long that yeah you just you're dealing with a lot of scar tissue and i guess that's why i've just been just smashing the rehab as much as possible because i feel like you get one shot at it and if you don't kind of get it right it just becomes an ongoing thing yeah scar tissue is a bit of a nightmare in that respect because it creates so much extra bulk on the injury site and then that just hampers movement and and flexibility right yeah, it's it's pretty good though. I haven't like I just did some testing this morning actually, um, with the guy who's taking care of my rehab, and it's kind of it's back to half the strength of the left leg. So now it's probably done the healing phase, and it's just back to like doing as much strength as possible. Um, and then hopefully, yeah, hopefully in a month I should just be all good to go again. Wow, that's magic, man. That is magic. All right, well, let's get into the great. Australian or Australasian cone quest, even we'll, we'll work backwards. You mentioned uh, you're at deserts uh, recently or before this injury happened. Talk yeah, us that- through, I mean, obviously 
bit of a slow Indo season, but what's going on at Deserts? It's been a while since I've been there. It was a fucking Dude. zoo there, and I can't imagine what it's like now. The place is so insane. It doesn't even, it seems like some old school time warp. There's like, you're out, in, out there and it's just like dog eat dog. There's no, there's not really any order. Like, there's punch ups in the lineup every swirl. You're just like, this is so crazy. This does not, this doesn't happen in Australia. Like the stuff I'm seeing, I'm like, I picture this is what it's like to go surfing back in the day. Like it's just. Yeah. It, it reminds me of like, I've seen shit there that was like, uh, it was like I was in a kind of real life cartoon strip. Like, like, cause every like kind of elite guy there, wears so much of his personality and his style on his sleeve. So yeah. it's just like, it's where people are almost like an exaggerated version of themselves or it just attracts that kind of character. Like, um, you know, some of the Brazilian wizards out there. And then I remember, oh, just a classic, like Chris Ward clinic and um, him and uh, Eddie Blackwell, like Eddie was out there before that, just putting on the craziest clinic as well. And they've, you know, had a bit of beef in the past and then they kind of crossed over, but missed each other. And then it was water shift and just like a five hour yeah. fucking tube fest. And like, you just seeing like surfing, amazing surfing. Uh, but yeah, it, it's dog eat dog and it, it's radical, man. Like it's full Mad Max stick like reverse burns you know like getting reverse faded like sorry like reverse called off or something i don't know what you call that when someone's on your shoulder on i'm going this cunt like some psycho hawaiian like (laughs) fuck (laughs) yeah there's definitely some some jedi mind games going down but i think you nailed it like in in terms of people's personalities definitely do kind of enhance for sure there It's, it's it's definitely it's just such a crazy dynamic and um yeah it's, and then you have you throw the grower into the mix too, and then like you kind of like when you're there, you kind of suss and like you know which core lords are here, here this well. Like who's my competition for when that set comes through the grower? Because there's, there's a bunch of guys that live for that wave, and then you got guys like Pablo at the point who's been there for sixty years, and yeah, Pablo, Pablo is the man. Like, he's the he's, fucking he's the Desert Point Gandhi. He's yeah. like yeah, he reminds me so Dude, much I've, of Gandhi even though he serves. I've got, there's a good Gandhi story of him. He was like, there was this one monkey, there's one monkey at deserts and it was just causing havoc, like running through the restaurants, just taking all the food, like trying to bite kids, just going nuts. And, and basically I'm staying, I'm staying out the back kind of where like water on that used to stay. And, um, Pablo's shacks there as well. And the freaking monkey comes around and sits there and watches TV with Pablo and he's just scratching it on the belly. Oh, like, really? Oh, the whole of deserts is like fearing this monkey and um, no yeah, Pablo's just, just thrown down some wizardry and kind of like they're, they're good mates. It's pretty man, funny, man. Gotta, yeah. Gotta give props to Pablo. He's one of the most fascinating characters. Like he's been going to that joint since pretty well day dot. Like he's kind of yeah. like there even on, around when Banksy and stuff was, was fully tapping the joint early days and, He's got that crazy story. I think I was reading about it in Bali Belly where just like some bandits uh, crashed the, the camp there and, and and like started chopping people with machetes and shit. And they had to paddle someone around the point with a fucking like their arm was pretty much hanging off. Like yeah, he's seen some crazy shit, man. He's still there, still getting coned. That, that stuff, that, that stuff, that's what's so crazy about it is like crazy stuff like that still happens there. And it's just, it's like the most beautiful chilled out place. But like I've been out there and seen like, one of my buddies is a Moroccan have words of like a Brazilian. And then next minute the, the 
I think one of the boys smashed a bottle and then the the Brazilians got like a machete off the wall and it's like, like what's going on here? And then the locals are always the ones that come in and just simmer it all down. They're like, all right, you're either, like, you're leaving now. But like, it's just one of those places. It's, it's in Lombok. It's a different culture over there. And it's it's just kind of, I don't know. It's it's, it's so special though. It's like such a sick wave. It's completely iconic. It's it's so classic, but it's fucking lawless. Like there's, you know, if shit goes pear-shaped, no one's coming to break it up apart from the locals. But, you know, they're pretty, you know, that they're limited in what they can do at times, uh, especially if, you know, there's a couple dudes just fucking punching on or, or grappling on the beach. And it, it, it's scary. Like if, if shit goes south there, um, yeah, it can spiral in, in, in such a heavy way. I just, I just don't, I don't even, I don't know how, like, I don't know how people get to this point over, like, just fighting over a wave. Like, I just, like, it's just, it, it always blows me away how, like, people think they're in the ocean or whatever. And it's just like, just get the next wave, dude. Like, is it, do you really want to spoil your whole trip with some feud you got going on with this guy? Or do you just want to get, get us, you want to get combed from top to bottom? Like, kind of trips me out how people just end up in that kind of rut of, like, just, like flaring up over over waves it's interesting yeah and i've never seen people flare up more than at that joint i I don't know what it is about it but it's just like it's such a crazy free-for-all as you said and i don't know like it, it kind of is multiplying like it's compounding testosterone and and macho shit going down there and it's just like a fucking crazy game of who can be the like the biggest greediest cone thief well, I think what happens as well, now, now we're kind of putting a finger on it, I think it's like the fact that, you know, you have these small windows, people probably don't know, but on the on the higher tide, it generally doesn't break, even if it's like a 10-foot swell, and then the tide drops out and it's pumping. So you're getting, you're getting like these three-hour windows and you've got like 200 people staying on a point, all just starving for a cone, and then... They get out there and they wait their hour and a half. And as you said, some guy calls them off from the outside because he, he's he been staying down down at the grower or wherever for the last six months and thinks he rules the joint. The next minute, it's just like everyone's butting heads. It's crazy. So crazy. And so the grower, yeah. I mean, fuck, when I first started going to deserts, I feel like people were only just starting to surf it. Like I can remember watching it cooking, looking like pipeline with, with no one out. But again, like... You know, surfing's come a- along in leaps and bounds, particularly in in tube riding, and to to the point now where it's there's like a proper fucking crowd out there. Well, I think it, it's just stemming to two. The point's so busy, people don't want to deal with it. They'll they'll happily go and pack their clothes out for glory, and um, just because you know that otherwise you're not going to get a wave at the point. But I mean, it it is the hollowest, best part of the reef, but it, it does eventually kind of run off into you know it's essentially pipe but a close out yeah totally. close out <laughs> yeah with the with the odd doggy door oh man and so yeah onto the all the stuff with Nate like um man how did you guys get to know each other was it I heard it was like you guys went to Jaws or something together but where was the the initial introduction I think we'd um I've been to a couple of swells and and definitely like you know that that big now swell and you know you, you kind of when you when you're all when you've got the same kind of goal and you're going all these ways around the world you, you kind of just cross paths 
And then I remember there was, I think he was pumped to come to Oz or something. And there was like a good shippies paddle day. And we went down to um, kind of Tassie and it was just, you know, I don't know. It's kind of clicked and got along. And then, um, yeah, we just took on Oz together through this year. Right. Okay. So how did that, that, that was, you guys went to Coney's first. Was that the first leg of that, that kind of journey? Um, I think it, we, we had that, the stint down in, um, down in Bico. Okay. We had that three day, three day run at that slab, and that was um. Oh, lunas, lunas, yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty pumping, mate. Then... That that was fucking. Oh, I just got to stop you there because that was crazy. Like that was, like I the stuff he was doing out there blew my mind. Uh, and like just, yeah, that that was so heavy. Like to be paddling that wave, I don't know how much time he spent there, but um, that 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 wave is like. Fuck, it's barely paddleable, eh? It's like a, it's a fucking crazy boog slab. It's, I- like, it's a funny one. I think, like, as each day went on, we kind of, like, it, it's a, it was really hard to paddle and stay deep. Like, it would just give you so much speed that it would be so hard to get, like, you'd be getting crazy ones, but you'd be in the pocket and, like, not getting chewed. And I guess each day went on and we started to figure out the conditions more and more. And I think... We've definitely figured uh, that there's definitely moments where you, you can paddle it. Like it's definitely skits, but I wouldn't say it's any skitter than kind of trying to knife a big one at depot, but a similar kind of thing. But then it just turns into a bit more, it steps out and it's a bit more mutant and unpredictable. Um, But I think there's still more work to do out there. I feel like oh. we all, we, we both like, we definitely got a couple, but there was, we, we, there's definitely more, more meat on the bone for sure. Mate, and no doubt you guys will find a way to to nibble it all off. Like, uh, yeah, it, it it's crazy. You guys are just, you know, you're making progressions in that in that that space of the sport, and it's yeah, it's it's fucking wild, man. Because the consequences are so real, especially at that joint. Like, um, talk to us about the setup there. I mean, the only reason I'm naming these waves is because fuck, mate. Like, you've got to be elite to surf them. So I, I'm not too yeah, concerned I- about them blowing out. People, people definitely tweak out, tweak out, especially with, with a few of those ways. But like you said, these, these windows are so small. They're so remote. They're so dangerous. Like if someone really wants to put in the effort to go surfing, bloody go get go get one. Go get a sick one. Like, Fucking oath, mate. It, it, yeah, it, like, the waves of this kind of consequence, like for sure you can rock up on, on any swell and, and wait your turn and you'll get the chance to go as many fucking – eight yeah. foot things as you want pretty much if you get in the rotation like i, I just don't think that generally there's 0.1 percent of the surfing population is up to the task so they yeah, protect that, themselves that's what, that's what i think as well i'm like if, if you know if you're in the know and you know about it and, and you really want it and like it is pretty gnarly like go 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 have a crack I, like i i don't know it's it is there for everyone but i get both sides of it as well because then you have the the scenario where it might end up like a depot or something where it, it can get dangerous, but it's just like, uh, it's the, at the end of the day, it's literally there for everyone to use. And if, if you know, if you're there on the right day, then, you know, you deserve one. Yeah. Go pay your respects, you know, meditate on the, on an, on the entry point and uh, hold a vigil in the cave overlooking the wave, you know, say your prayers to the relevant gods and uh, local oracles and then go fucking try and knife one. Yeah. And then just, just you know, you can save your content and put it up when it's all flat and then let people try and figure it out for a little bit. 
Yeah, fully, fully. And so, yeah, that joint in particular, like as far as I know, I've never been there, but there's like, you know, you can get blown up onto a, like there's like a cliff with like a, or, or like a, a kind of a, a barely submerged rock on the inside when you get blown up, right? Yeah. You just kind of end up on a rock. It's probably that, that, that rock is probably like, I would say a meter to meter to two meters out of the water at, at points. And um, I think the locals call it the octagon because once you're in there, you kind of, you're in there and you just, you're locked in. And um, like every session, I've definitely seen someone go up and over it. And then you got to run back around and jump off and do that whole, whole setup. But um, I, I don't know. I've, I've never been in there somehow. I've always kind of just snuck out the side, but I think one other thing that's pretty crazy about the place is you can, you've got the ledge and waves can come in from like other directions and basically they break on a bommy and just come and come across the lineup on a different angle and just take the whole lineup out. So like, as well when you you'll get you'll get you'll you'll finally wait for that moment that's perfect and then you make your wave you kick out the back just to find there's 12 foot of white water that's coming straight at you like you never there's never a moment where you're actually safe out there wow that is psycho yeah talk us through that day like or, or those three days um you know talk us through yeah just just everything take us uh on the trip with you i think i think yeah we we, we kind of got we got down there and was kind of we got out there on the first day and it was pretty manageable and nice and then we were kind of dealing with this problem of like it kept slingshotting us with so much speed that we'd just be outrunning the barrel every wave and so that was just like a mind game itself and and then that was kind of we're watching all the clips back of these sick cones going how it could have been deeper it could have been this and then um we rock up the next day and it was kind of like one of those unruly days where it's a bit too big and there is all the all the whitewashes coming from the channels and cleanups and so that was that was like a more a survival day where we we got a couple and then the third day it kind of had really sorted itself out and it was just perfect and i think that's when nath got that one where he's kind of fallen over that step and it's just a big mutant kind of like bowled out thing he's just kind of straightening out um so that was that third day and i got one or two pretty nice ones that day as well that it's just a lot more manageable and you know it was definitely the the, the pick of the the three days and what's it like trying to keep pace with nate and like uh you know what do you kind of how does he lift your game uh, or how do you lift each other's game and yeah what's it like sharing space with him Any, anything in, in particular that you, you picked up from the way he approaches surfing i think that, like he, he's just so he's like slab IQ is so high in the sense that like he'll he'll paddle out into a lineup and with within 20 minutes he's got a solid idea of what he's looking for and how to approach it and take it on which like you know any guy can figure out their lo- local reef over like 20 years and and get you know paddle out there in the day and, and get the sick one but he's kind of someone that can turn up at any break and and within 20 minutes he's figured it out and he's kind of getting the way of the day um, which is definitely what separates him from from the rest. And then, yeah, it's kind of like it's been it's just been a good sparring partner. He's kind of like always done his thing, and then I'm just coming along for the ride and just throwing the hat in the ring and trying to keep up. So good, man. And you have you've got you've you've done yourself very proud. I had some crazy ones at uh, Coney's and uh, you know the Island and uh, Lunas and chopes as well man fuck had a couple crazy ones out there uh yeah super interesting that that slab iq point um i was watching that clip 
one of my favorite clips from that period was the the island one, the shark island one. Yeah. And uh, you know, like the original kind of Aussie slab that way, uh, but fully forgotten. Like I, I don't know if I've seen a fucking stand-up clip of that joint in like 20 years. Yeah, like, it was like 2016 was the last time it was probably good. Like even when we got to surf it this year, that was it was it was it was definitely there was some good ways, but like to the standard of how it gets, you know, it was probably like a it was pretty low on the scale, but um it just honestly is just gone dormant. But they've ramped up the Shark Island Challenge for next year for the bodyboarders. I reckon that they're, they're, they're putting a there's a bit of hype into it. I feel like the island's just starting to come back to life, which is sick. Oh sick. They'll be lighting yeah. some incense and keeping vigil. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. It, it was a weird one, though, because during COVID, like, the Cape pumped, and it's literally the same swell direction. It likes it all the same. It's just around the corner, and it, the island has never really got good. It was always maybe a little bit too big for the, the angle of the swell, or was something was always just not quite right. But it, it seems like just over the past kind of six months or so, it started to, starting to come back to life. Such a sick wave, man. Like, one of the, the GoPro clips... Uh, that Nate had in that is is so rad. Just like it's such an open big pit with a, you can kind of see a, a little boil on the end. But it just made me, yeah, just remember how sick that joint is. But it's funny talking about that slab IQ thing. Like he goes like the worst wave ever. His first wave out there is so comical. It's like a yeah. just goes a five foot inside closeout and just basically face slaps. Like looks look like someone I'd do. And that, that's what I mean. Like, it was like, it went from, he went from that first wave and then straight away, then the rest of the session, he was just on. Like, it's just, it's, it's crazy how quick he picks up places. And I guess Luna's was, you know, people have been hitting that joint for years and years and, and not gotten close to what he got within a couple of sessions. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, that's, that's just the difference between, you know, you, you, you good guy and that kind of really elite level. Yeah, that was what was tripping me out. I'm like, fuck, he can't have surfed this joint before. And, and yeah, look at him like getting, I remember he gets this crazy high line through like a real fucked up one and just his ability to kind of stay flexible and adjust his line in situations like that is, is pretty much no one on earth that can do that. Um, yeah. What do you what do you put that down to? Like what, what do you attribute his slab IQ and his uh, ability to – surf that well in those kinds of situations obviously being from pipe is why but at the same time like watching him position and, and like just what are the the key attributes that enable him to to really navigate these kinds of waves well i reckon just like the awareness of kind of like what's going on around him and then also just the amount of time he puts into you know he, he's I've kind of taken that on a little bit from him as well. He, he doesn't sit still, you know what I mean? Like if it's if it's somewhere over in Hawaii, he's over here or he's just always – and it comes back to kind of like that momentum thing we are talking about earlier. You start to build momentum and you just keep building off that and um, that's when those moments start to come together. But I guess it's just how much he's, time he's putting into surfing these waves and, and just his awareness of them. Mm. And that genuine love for it, like there's nowhere else he'd right. rather be than than stuffing himself into some weird, wonky mutant orb. Yeah, yeah, it's just the freaking love of surfing, eh? Just wanting to get a get a cone. Lives for the challenge of it, as you do, and it, it's sick, man. I, I got to say, like growing up, 
surfing was not at this point yet uh, when I was a grown. Like the, the boogers were the guys stuffing themselves into fucked up orbs and surfing was still I, point breaks and shit pretty much. I guess that's that's kind of where that happened for me as well was growing up down on, on, on the South Coast and um, just being in that environment where, you know, all those waves are around and it's just kind of normal to be surfing, surfing those crazy waves. Like I think I was like six months into surfing like i just learned to surf i was like 10 years old or something i had rust dragging me out of gillows like man i could barely get to my feet and go across and surf my four foot dry slabs like and that's just kind of like you, you just grow up watching these older guys do it and um it almost becomes normal and then i moved up to here and in, in cronulla and just lived right here at shark island and then you know being a grom paddling out there like my competition was these boogs that were so gnarly and like you know, if you if you were to take off on a wave and because you kind of get a chip in at Shark Island and, and if you didn't punch Surge, like you, you're not getting another wave at Shark Island for probably like another three to four years. Like you, <laughs> you just instantly cut off. Like you can't, if you mess one up. I think my very first wave was like six to eight foot, like proper East Shark Island day. And mate, I was fearing for my life coming into Surge and the bodyboarders just, just faded me and I was just like fearing so hard. So... Yeah, it's definitely pretty interesting. Wow, that's wild. No way. He just cooked you in a psycho one at the island. Yeah, like, and I was just a grom. Like, I was I was already nervous to be out there, and then let alone, like, then I've got this guy just coming down the whole wave, and it's just, but that's that's just part of kind of, like, the culture there. There is definitely a pretty solid hierarchy of old-school lords. Yeah, fully. And uh, I guess until you've proven yourself that you're not going to fumble the cone and blow it out of the hose pipe, they're gonna they're gonna fade you. They're gonna stuff you until <laughs> until they're confident in your ability. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. So, uh, the island and where else, mate? You went on such a crazy journey. Yeah. So, the the Coney's day, um, or that swell. Fuck, you got a couple of sick ones, like paddle ones, um, out there, like really sick, man. I remember just one, like not like a super big one, but super technical, super deep, like right across the foam ball and, uh. Yeah, so that that swell, that is the one that Dylan Longbottom gets gets really injured. It was, yeah. So we did we had that um we had that shark shark island day. I think Nate went over to WA. We then like met back and we we spent a couple of weeks in Tassie and we got like three days at Chippies. Um came back to Cronulla, kind of all burnt out, just had so many days of just surfing proper solid waves, you know, you just end up floored. And then um, as we started to come good, like we knew that that swell was going down to South Oz and we were kind of keen to maybe surf a couple other waves. And then we just committed to Coney's because we didn't know if the swell would actually handle. We thought it was maybe too big for the reef, but the place loved it. But yeah, that was um, that was that swell. We linked up with Dill and yeah, we had that whole scenario. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, talk us through that. Like that's um fuck man. I, I've never seen that joint hold a wave as thick as the one Dill went down on. Uh but yeah, what was talk us through that session. I think like I, I think to me that was like probably the most life threatening session I've been a part of. Like it kind of had that feeling. I think Dill was kind of the only one that did fall off on a big one and kind of like, you know, he had thick padding on and you've seen how much damage happened through the padding because it's just got these like 
they're like javelin pinnacles that point up off the bottom and, and that's what makes it so dangerous when you don't have a flat bottom you're just dealing with like a whole different kind of ball game and um yeah it was it was definitely like once once deal went down like that we already knew it was like proper crazy and then deal went down first wave and then it's just kind of like you know there's no room for error today we got to make you got to be completely on mm. Mm. that's so crazy man makes me think i always think about when you talk about those pinnacles on the bottom there um leroy ballet and uh russ Bjork doing the leroy doing the go behinds out there at that joint yeah. of all oh, places that, that's <laughs> like it's proper crazy i think if you can kind of if you can clear that first bit where all the power unloads you kind of you, you know the the brunt of it kind of unloads there whereas if you can get to the at least to the end bowl but that's like as what happened to dill he kind of got this this wave quadruple ledged out on him and he just literally had nowhere to go and and um Man, that was so crazy. The the injuries he's, he's like sustained because he just played it off like there was nothing. Like it, we got, I got him back to the top of the car park, and he wasn't sure if he was going to take his wedgie off because he wanted to get more waves. And um, man, he just like he was, that was pretty bad. And he um, he hung hung there in the desert, nothing around, you know, through the night. He's just, he's such a team player, and he's just. You know, he's so selfless the way he does everything and like happy to toe run into waves and just like yeah, he's such a good dude. That was that was pretty heavy. So he was still whipping people in when he was had the broken ribs and nah, surely not. He wasn't whipping people in, but he was trying to he was trying to come around the corner because you have to launch from the beach and he was trying to like he's like, Yeah, I'll help you get the ski on and do this and that. I'm like, bro, we got it, it's all good. Like like he's just he's he's built differently. He's so good, man. He's the man. And so that was, uh, ended up being like the, the classical slab injury, which is fully life-threatening. And it's the uh, old uh, broken ribs to, to punctured lung. And he just he just chilled all day. He was on the King Browns, like having a long in shit at the end of the day. It's insane. Yeah, he, had, he had a couple of beers and he was fired up for someone to get some. And he was just, yeah, it was, dude, he, I think we surfed the whole next day. And then he drove overnight back to the airport got to the airport at 6 a.m and flew back to sydney and then went to hospital what yeah like he's just he's built differently man he's he's yeah it's pretty serious fuck that's crazy he did it the first day and then slept in like this dodgy little cabin down there and um we surfed the whole next day yeah and then he drove overnight flew home and then went to the hospital and they're like dude you're could have died yeah that's crazy man i'm i'm surprised that he didn't die or at least that there wasn't more signs of like a serious organ failure um presenting because yeah that's such a full-on injury fuck man he must have been battling and like he broke a lot of ribs and pretty bad like they had to plate all his ribs back together which i'm not sure if they normally do that but like he's got metal in his chest man that's unbelievable. And, and what about Summer watching, you know, her surf on a, on a day like that? How'd she go out there? What was her uh, kind of body yeah, well, language? I th- we, we kind of made the call that, you know, it probably wasn't ideal for her to surf on that first day because it was like those waves, they, instead of getting like taller, they just kept getting thicker and thicker. And they were like probably some of the bigger lumps of water I've seen coming in on a, on a hitting a slab of reef. And like, we'll just like, there's, there's no room for error. So, 
maybe maybe we'll just focus on summer tomorrow when it's still going to be kind of 10 feet, 8 to 10 feet. I guess if it was up to her, she probably would have surfed on the big day. Um, but it's definitely been sick. She's That whole little slab tour we went on, she was pretty well there for every single one of those sessions. And just the amount of progression from the first session to now, like she's she's come a long way. And I've seen her actually surfing down the beach here the other day and she's even in small ways, just ripping like, she's definitely really starting to get the hang of it. That's amazing. There's there's definitely space there um, for a female slab specialist. Like that Dude, would be- I a- reckon like it'd be sick if, if um like her and Laura just teamed up and were just like this freaking crazy power team, like. Just the, just chicks taking over. That would be so like a oh, that's amazing. And uh, yeah, the your shippies you mentioned. Talk us through through that trip because I mean, the first I ever really heard of you was yeah, just you back in the day walking in and um paddling shippies. Uh, it was kind of the in some ways the making of you um as a elite level surfer. I feel like uh like yeah, to talk talk to us about your your history with with that join and and this latest little run. Yeah, it was um, it was pretty funny. It's kind of started off when I was like, I was about fourteen, and my, my dad took me down there, and it was maybe still the biggest. It was up there on par of the biggest I've ever seen shippies, and like, I just nabbed a little one in between, and I ended up being so light that the the wave just brought me up and sucked me over in the lip. Like I, I drew the right line and everything, but I didn't have the weight behind me to ride it, and it just took me over. And um, yeah, I kind of. It wasn't until I was like 17 when I went back and then one of the local guys kind of looked after me and I got a, it was the day Mick was there and I got a, I got a huge um, wipeout that day. And then I was just like, from, from that big wipeout, I was just like hooked on like wanting to make one of these things. And then it's been like somewhere between 15 or 20 trips. It's like the place I look forward to going back to most for sure. It's, it's like so beautiful. Yeah. And you can tell that you've put in a lot of time there because in that clip with Nate, you, you put on a clinic out there, I thought, uh, or you outsurfed him. And um, yeah, just talk to us about that wave itself, like how your kind of understanding of that joint has developed over the years. Yeah, it was kind of like it was, I'd always been super fired up on it and I used to just tow it quite a lot. Um, and like, obviously it's still super, super challenging and, and, and epic, but then you see, you know, like those waves that Loz got back in the day and the ones that Ross paddled and now it's definitely all about paddling. And I definitely, I've like moved over onto the Pizels and I've had a couple of boards. Like I always struggled with the right equipment out there. And then recently I got, I kind of just got a replica of what Nath was riding and it just clicked straight away. And my confidence went from like down here to like, it just skyrocketed. So now I'm, kind of like looking forward to going back on those days where, you know, you probably used to be towing, but I'm just kind of fired up and trying to chase down one of those ones to paddle. What are some of the attributes of the equipment that you're riding in, in, in slabs? I mean, obviously it's going to vary from, from wave to wave, but uh, what are you looking for in a board? Generally speaking, if you, if you like, it's always this like tricky balance of having enough board to get in the wave. And then as soon as you're on the wave, you want to have kind of like, less less foam um especially at shippies because if you're coming off the step and you've got a big long board it just disconnects way easy like way more easily um whereas if you have something that's shorter you can come over that step and kind of control the board to your it sticks to your feet better and so 
it's about getting like enough volume but not going too long and and just getting something you feel stable on like i think a lot of my the boards out there they almost have like a double concave under the front foot and that just keeps it so connected um which is just so bizarre because if you look at any surfboard like no board's going to have a double concave under your front foot um but that it just kind of connects and holds in and definitely thin thinning out the rails and making it nice and low and basically you're just having something that's going to sit in the wave and you feel comfortable on mm. Mm. that makes sense yeah and uh yeah shippies uh and then there was uh that tropes mission and man you, you did really well out there i thought like that was that was a, a kind of pretty blown up swell lot of crew um it was that kind of that was I'm, i think i'm thinking of the right swell yeah it was like yeah uh, it was kind of like, was it meant to be the code red that was like 10 foot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, man, you still managed to, like, we're talking at the start of the program just about ha- having to manage lineups that are just packed with top end talent. Um, yes. Yeah. I think me and Nath went out super early and everyone thought it was going to be like 15, 20 feet. So everyone was really like, me including was like pretty cautious to just go sit in on the ledge because you know some on these big days sometimes it can be an hour before like a you know a 20 foot wave comes in so everyone was on their skis kind of just sussing the vibe and then nath was like fuck there's no one out there and he's like this perfect 10 12 footers just rolling through and he's like he just jumped on it and so i just got out there as well and then um he just got straight into it. He went and sat like way further in on the ledge and was just, he racked up like two or three big ones straight away. And I was kind of like playing it on the cautious side, like sitting in there, but like keeping an eye out the back in case, you know, you don't want to be getting sucked over on 20 foot at Chove's. Um, so then eventually after a little bit, got a bit of confidence, got in there and, and nabbed one just before everyone kind of realized. And, um, you know, a bunch of crew, it was just such a weird swirl that everybody was, it was just so overhyped from Surfline that like it was code red and it's going to be like Friday the 13th and going to be this giant kind of event. And um, it just wasn't. And a lot of crew got stuck in that like kind of toe mindset. I got offered the rope and I was like, oh, it's like, it's pretty heavy. I've been here in swells where I've seen guys paddling on like bigger days than this. Like, I don't know. It was an interesting day. Mm, yeah. Um, Nate was like real off it it seemed uh yeah i think to be honest i think a lot of crew were but that's just like this modern day age of like slab surfing and big wave surfing and just like it makes those you know those days where you score these crazy perfect ways with no one around just so much better and more like special yeah and that's the thing there's like these spots are so blown out but for as blown out as these spots are there's like um, there's, there's there's literally crazy slabs out there that people aren't even surfing. Like if you're willing to put the time in and and go have and go look, like you'll you'll find stuff. And I think I think that's what Nathan Nathan's kind of switched to. He's you know scoping out new places. He's got that he's finding new ways. He's got that sick YouTube channel. Like it's definitely if you if you want it, there's there's more out there that isn't being done. Mm, mm. Yeah, and on that day at Chopes, like. Can you explain how it works? So if you're on, when it's like in that 10 to 12 foot range, you're on somewhat of an inside ledge compared to where say a 20 foot wave could break. Is it? It's not. Yeah. It's, it's the same ledge, 
but there's so much water in the wave that if you're in on that ledge and you're trying to duck dive it, there's just no, there's no chance you're getting through the wave. Like it's, you just, you've seen it happen and, and people have literally died from getting sucked over backwards at Chopes. Um, it's, it's like, there's just so much water in those waves that you need to be motoring quickly. And if you're way in there, you just, you kind of, you kind of done. Mm. There's that famous Ted Grambo shot, you know, that guy on the cover and he's just like holding his board going over backwards. Have you seen that photo? Yeah, yeah. It's like, that. that's kind of like, that's what happens. Yeah. Fuck. I mean, you can't attempt to duck dive those, that's for sure. What is it possible just to swim down on the bottom and grab onto a coral head and, and survive it that way? Or would you get ripped up still, you reckon? I feel like that's the... um. It's probably it's a tricky one though, because then what you're gonna like just bow your board. It's yeah, I don't know. There's this, there's so much water, like it's so deep behind that ledge, and then it just the way it breaks isn't like any other wave. It's just like this giant, giant like soup bowl, like just folding around this like piece of reef. I don't know. It's it's such a trip. It's so crazy because. From memory, I've only been there the one time and it was small, but there was like maybe one kind of six to eight foot wave that came through. And it's like you didn't, it wasn't like you saw like a line coming. It's not like you see lines on the horizon. The thing yeah. just, it's like just someone pulls the fucking plug out and there's suddenly this thing starts draining way harder than any other wave and it goes all black. It's like a different color as well. Yeah. A fucking trippy joint, man. And that that's exactly what it's like, and that's why, like that that day, I was kind of still cautious. Like we had this sick little window, but I was like, this place can easily throw like it can be 10, 12 foot, and it can throw like a fifteen foot, twenty foot wave just out of nowhere. And and as you said, you don't see them coming. So I was like definitely on that cautious side. But Nate was just straight in there, like he was like, "There's no one out. It's pumping, perfect." Like on the inside, I'm like, "Yeah." far out but um it's yeah it's like it it's just, there's nothing like it it's it's like worth going there just to just to watch it even if you're not going to surf it on those big days like just go out there and check it out it's just so insane man what a marvel and that was also uh the day tom Lowe got injured right um i think it was the day before a little day warm-up. before right. yeah. yeah yeah tommy yeah. went down and then yeah it's it's a pretty interesting one and then we had that whole ordeal where the, the mountain kind of just flushed a wave off it and took out the whole village. That was just crazy. Oh, I thought you were there for that. Yeah, the crazy flash flooding. That's, yeah. It just yeah. kind of felt like it was the mountain's way of like being like, look, you know, they were setting up all the Olympics and it just kind of like, it was, it was like the mountain was having a flex and just showing, you know, how powerful the place is and just keeping everything in check. It was, it was a trippy how that all went down yeah how did it go down it ripped the joint to shreds how long did that did that downpour last it was just real i think it was a couple of days but there there was just like an hour of just like it rained all night and then there was an hour of just real heavy rain then i just remember chrissy Bryan just running in from out the front of our place and being like there's cars floating in the ocean. There's cars floating in the ocean. We all looked at him like, what do you want about, mate? And we walked out. There was like nine cars just on the reef. And one of them was floating in the channel just out into the abyss. Like, it was crazy to see, like, when we went around to uh, to Hooray's and he was like, dude, a wave, like a meter wave came off the mountain through their back fence. 
like an actual wave. What? Yeah, because it's so steep on that interior. So that water's got nowhere to go. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, it, it's one of the trippiest kind of setups, Chopes, in that way. You, you just jammed right up against these sheer mountains. So they yeah, look like pyramids, eh? Yeah. It's like giant pyramids everywhere. It's remarkable. And there's just this like thin slither of civilization between the ocean and these mountains. So yeah, I could kind of see how that would happen. I mean, having lived through a flood up here, like when it when it breaks like that, it the the amount of water coming downhill is so intense, let alone if you got fucking just nothing but mountains in, inside of you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's yeah, it's pretty it's it's can can be pretty scary, eh? Especially if you're not like not ready for it. Yeah, it's it's trippy that kind of stuff where you where when nature produces something that you didn't even know was possible. Yeah. Just keeps you in check and reminds you how small you are. It's kind of like the same when you when you're down at Shippies, you, you look around and the, the cliffs the valleys are so big, the cliffs. Like you, you see you see like the bluff in footage and you're like, wow, that looks so big. And then you look around and it's like this tiny little mountain compared to like the mountain range around it. Yeah. It's just like, you're like, you, you, you're kind of looking at 20 foot waves. It just looks so small to like everything that's surrounding you. Man, I, I can't imagine. Like, I mean, I've been there, but never in the lineup. And the other day I was watching the Clipper Shippies and, or, or I think it was a photo actually. Um, and I was looking at all the, you know, the, all the lines in, in the bluff. There's like yeah. all these kind of archaeological lines kind of, I'm not sure if that's the word, but you can see like those lines in the, in the rock, like each one of them is like 10,000 or 20,000 years. Yeah. Right. That's crazy. Eh? You know, so like that bluff is like millions of years old and you can see the history of it in the rock face. And <laughs> yeah, you talk about feeling like a fucking grain of sand, like, yeah, well there's right in front of you as you're surfing that wave, you're looking at, millions of years of history and it's it's written there in your face like we really are such insignificant beings here for such a short amount of time but we're spending that time well i think that's the like the best thing about chasing all these crazy like new spots and big waves around the the planet you kind of it just is just a constant reminder that like nature's just like it just keeps you in check totally it really does. And the moment you lose your respect or your uh, kind of composure uh, in these environments, you get hurt like it's instantly. Like, that's what happened like with, with that depot, like that session down there. It was like, this is six to eight foot. Like it's sweet, dude. There's no, no problem with, with your eyes closed. And then the second you just, you kind of almost disrespect it, it just really quickly, you know, shows you. What, what, you know, yeah, puts you in check, as I said. It's so cosmic, man, because where surfing's at at the moment, there is a lot of chest beating and, you know, you go to any lineup, there has been the classic example where people are just getting caught up in human shit, you know, human hierarchies, the, the need to get a sick one in front of people or impress so-and-so and all that shit, man, is such a recipe for disaster. Ultimately, you need to just simply uh, be as respectful 
and gentle and composed and connected to nature and not worried about all the human shit because I feel like that's when it goes pear-shaped. Real funny too, that whole thing with deserts because you see those people that like they do, you know, paddling around trying to run the joint, like beating their chest and the waves never just come to them. Like it's always the dude, it's it's almost like like attracts light. You see the guy that's just cruising around, having a hell of a time, smiling his face and it's like waves just start presenting themselves and like everything just starts going their way whereas the more you're kind of trying to fight it the, the more it's just moving away from you i love that and it makes sense because because you're getting caught up in human shit you're you're not paying attention to the the little ripples and the little changes in the lineup that alert you to a good way of coming you're not fully present you're thinking about silly shit like and surfing any kind of hollow wave you can't afford to be thinking about anything other than fucking threading the tube because you get hurt yeah, and and the more the more you try to like make it happen the, the the more it doesn't happen so it's just you know i guess if you just can it sounds pretty cliche but if you can just be out there stoked and grateful and just enjoying it like things just start happening and it's you know that that's it's pretty epic i love that man i, I reckon that is such a good message for, for everyone and uh, you know, at the end of the day, like I always kind of try to run the attitude that like, fuck man, it beats being on a building site. Like we're all surfing and it's a party, man. It should be like just a time. It's a celebration of life yeah. and of, of nature and, you know, like, yeah, greedy, uh, aggressive people are, are pretty annoying and it's hard to kind of handle those situations with, with peace and dignity. But uh, at the same time, like, I think, like, yeah, being super positive, encouraging, and, and really enjoying your time in the ocean is is really what it's about. And the, the waves and the good surfing experiences come on the back of that, surely. Yeah, for sure. And, like, like having an injury just definitely makes you so grateful for that stuff. Like, even I remember just going back in the ocean for me first swim when I was able to. And I was like, oh, this is so sick. Just Just being in there, being able to have a little swim, like, it's just so, so good for your mind and so good for everything. And yeah, it's, that's pretty epic sport. Totally, man. It's a privilege just to be able to charge up. Like that's the way I see it. Like it's kind of, there's just something mystical in the ocean, the ions, the salt, the energy that's being created by this insane storm somewhere. Like all those things combined seem to have the, uh, like that energy seems to pass on into us and, um, allow us to live kind of positive and energized lives. And when it's not there, you notice it like, fuck man, it's very easy to fall into a, a slump or a depression just because that's been removed from your life and it provides so much energy. So I guess it's another reminder to, to really take care out there. Cause once it's gone, once you lose the ability to surf and be in the water, fuck, you know about it. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's it's almost a good reset and it just fires you up, which is sick. Like, yeah, it's exciting. Man, tell us a bit about yourself too. Like, I thought you were from Cronulla, but you, so you're from the South Coast. Yeah, I grew up in, um, like, I was, like, well, my, I think my parents moved down there when I was, like, I wouldn't have even been one year old. They, like, I got born up here in Sydney and we moved straight straight to Ulladulla. Um, And, yeah, I spent, like, the first 14 years of my life down there. And that's where I learned to surf and, you know, it's got all these crazy waves and it's kind of really shapes your surfing. And, um, I mean, it's, it's just a pretty insane spot. I kind of, when I was down there, I actually grew up horse riding. Used to, 
used to break in horses and I was actually like a really good horse rider and grew up on a farm. And then once I discovered the ocean, it was just, there was just no chance I was going to be doing anything other than horse riding. And I used to play footy and stuff down there as well, but gave, gave it all up when I started, you know, finding all these little reef breaks around the place. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Riding horses, man. That's some old school fucking banjo Patterson shit. Yeah. That was breaking pretty, horses. Pretty funny, man. Like just, yeah, it's pretty sick. It's like, it's like when you learn to drive a car, you just, you never lose it. Like I haven't ridden a horse for ages now, but I could just go jump on a horse and had some pretty crazy memories. Like used to take them swimming in the ocean down there. And one day I was like jumping it over a wave and the wave just flattened the horse back on its back. And then, had to grab another horse and spent like an hour and a half rounding it up because it was just so freaked out. And um, yeah, just those kind of things. It's just a different world down there to Sydney. It is, man. So it's a magical place that that's yeah. Riding horses. I mean, that's there's some parallels with surfing just in in respect to like fuck, mate. You got to pay attention to what you're doing because uh, you get really hurt and uh, you know you're there has to be full respect given to the animal and the moods that it's in. And you have to fully connect with, with that creature um, just in, in kind of like, it's, it's kind of a, a good uh, introduction to the world of really mixing it with nature in a, in a raw way that can fuck you up. Yeah. And I've definitely had some moments where, where that happened. And like the craziest part about, especially breaking in a horse or whatever is, when the horse throws you off, like the most important thing is you have to go get back on it because if you don't get back on it, it's just going to be this constant thing where the horse knows it's it's can get what it get what it wants. Um, so that that's pretty crazy as well, and it's kind of similar with surfing. You know, having a wipeout like what happened down at Doris, and then you, you kind of you just got to go straight back into it so it doesn't play with you mentally. And yeah, it's definitely pretty interesting. Like I, I remember one day I was like jump, running through a bush on a horse and I was a little kind of proper cantering through the bush. And I was like, try to make it jump the Creek and it just stopped dead. Just threw me like across the Creek and into a tree and just like took all the bark off me back. Like it was definitely pretty crazy. <laughs> That's wild. Wow. And so who are the guys that you come up with like um, down there? So you, you mentioned Russ uh, Bjork. So he's like a similar age to you, is he? Yeah, we um were in the same year at school. We had a few classes together and that. And we, yeah, we used to surf a bunch together down there. And then um those all, all the older guys, like you, you know, your whippies and that, who super underground, but probably as barreled as anybody. And then you have your guys like Morgo and Birch and then there's an endless list of just really competent surfers down there that are just underground that people have probably never heard of. It is an endless list. And the waves are serious. Like they stack up to kind of any anywhere on earth, really. So sick. And yet, like it's there's this weird contrast there where like the people from your part of the world are real mellow, like real laid back considering the kinds of waves they're surfing. But that again kind of goes to your original point that that is really the the mentality you, you want in those kind of situations. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's definitely, they still definitely hold it down, down there, but you know, you can definitely, well, you know, I, I find that everywhere though, like you can kind of tell <clears throat> where people are from. It kind of shapes who they are. Even like, you know, the WA guys or where, wherever it is, I feel like the, the place they grow up, grew up in definitely has a big role in kind of person they are. And yeah, I mean, the people down on the are definitely pretty, 
pretty laid back and everyone's pretty good. Like, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting place. Like if you, if you get a little big for your boots, you get cut down real quick. It's true. It's good in that. It's, it's like a good, it's a positive and kind of a negative thing, but yeah, no, it's definitely a special place. So sick, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and your family, tell us a bit about your folks and stuff. Yeah. They, um, so my mum was the one who originally got me into horse riding and, and, um, but I mean, they all majority of my family still lives down there, but that is up here in Sydney as well. Um, but yeah, like both Nen and Pops on the on each side are still living down there. And but yeah, Mum was definitely like responsible for for getting us into horse riding, and kind of really enjoyed that to be honest. And then yeah, Dad Dad pushed us hard. It was like when I started surfing, like I was I was pretty into it, but it was some serious like helicopter parenting going down. Like I remember being. 14 he dragged us up to cape on like a big nor'east day and like towed me into a bunch of clothes out it's got like a two-wave hold down and then it was like a couple months later he's like you ready for shippies now and i was like oh god like i love surfing but i was pretty scared i was like all right and then um he just kind of at the time it was probably irresponsible parenting but at the same time it's kind of like definitely shaped me into like being comfortable doing what i do now and I guess like I've seen that kind of similar story through like, you know, Jamie O'Brien's parents used to just like, he, you've seen those clips of him where his dad just made him surf all day. And like at the time it's, it's you, you kind of question what's going on, but it definitely, it's definitely helped a lot in the long run. It's interesting, isn't it? Like there's such a negative bias towards that style of parenting, you know, like the soccer dad, um, soccer mom kind of stays. But at the same time, like, they've lived the life and they there's some wisdom in it because they're essentially setting you up for the future in a way that you can't help but be so grateful for down the track but it can go pear-shaped too like you do you know yeah. i know guys who were you know sponsored by billabong as groms but had such an aggressive like surf yeah. dad soccer dad that they fucking pretty much brush surfing at the earliest opportunity yeah um, you definitely it definitely it either goes like one or one or two ways. I guess the thing it came down to was like, I definitely was just so into surfing. So it was like, it was definitely, it, it worked in my scenario um, because I wanted to be surfing. And like, I used to, I used to get up at, you know, when it was pitch black, ride my bike down. I grew up in Tabari and ride my bike down to like the hook and that surf in the morning, come back to the school bus, get, get the bus to Ali come back from Oladala and the Arvo and then I'd be straight on my bike straight across down to the other side, like south of the area for the Arvo surf. And that was every single day. Like I don't, I don't think I missed a day for like at least the first four years of my life. Like no matter what was going on, I was just out there surfing. Wow. Wow. But yeah, what a life. It's, yeah. it's definitely, it's definitely an interesting, interesting, like I've been watching that like kind of David Beckham doco and it seems like his dad was like the same, like, gnarly soccer dad and it kind of just made him into you know one of the best soccer players ever yeah well one way or another like the earlier you start at anything and, and the the quicker you start racking up that ten thousand hours the quicker you're going to become a master a black belt or whatever you want to call it it's it's really as simple as that i feel like it's it's like there's no grand mystery in my mind uh as to why people become elite in sport or, or any kind of discipline for that matter, it, it's merely time spent doing it. And um, if parents get you in to a, a, a super young age, 
like, yeah, that, that, that's, you know, there's some, yeah, like you said, there's positives and negatives to it, but there's a fine line. And um, I mean, at the end of the day, the kids got to want to do it. If they don't want to fully do it, then, you know, it's just going to be negative. Like you see, you see like dads try and push their kids into surfing, like at a too young of an age. And they're like, you know, they're three years old and then they, they have a little wipeout and they're scared of the ocean. Like it's just, I don't know. It's an interesting one. Yeah. No, nah, it is, man. So, and you move up to Cronulla. So is that where your dad's from? Is your dad from Cronulla originally? Um, my dad was originally from, I think it was Panania. He was out west. Oh, true. Okay. Yeah, that's southwest. But, yeah. And he was he he was he was quite a sports person himself. He used to like you know, he played a couple of first games, uh, first grade games of footy and like was was a pretty good boxer. And that's like <clears throat> he got into surfing later on and he definitely pushed it on to me. And I'm so grateful for that. Like oh, I don't know what I'll do without the ocean or like who knows where we'd be, but yeah. And so when you move up to Cronulla, what age was that roughly? I was 14. 14, right. Yeah, so my parents my parents split up and then, <clears throat> you know, my dad was just fired up and taking me to these swells. And then I kind of moved up here just because there was a bit more going on than in Ali and like just wanted to, it was just like check it all out. It was a bit different, you know what I mean? Get out of Aldella for a little bit and then kind of hung up, hung out here and it was, you know, it was pretty good. Man, it's a wonder you've ever even left Cronulla. Like the quality of the waves just out the front of your, your joint are unbelievable. I, I don't like, apart from, I mean, there's a few places on earth that have that concentration of world-class reef breaks, but fuck, man, Cronulla's like the original home of it all in my mind. Um, Like, yeah, ha- talk to us a bit about some of these waves. They're all pretty well-known. Cape Salander, fucking Voodoo, Shark Island, but like, it's you know Shark Island could be backdoor, Vui's could be pipeline, and Cape could be Cape's Cape. It's its own fucking beast. But man, like yeah. So you yeah. mentioned you know fourteen years old, you're getting whipped into to closeouts at the Cape. So yeah, when did your relationship with that joint begin? Well, yeah, that 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 um kind of happened just before I moved here. That that first session at Cape and um came up and I was I think Timmy B or someone called us up and. Mark Matthews and Kobe and all that were there. And then just kind of, I don't know, I should have had one of those guys driving me because my dad didn't know the lineup. My dad just whipped me into like a 10-foot north one and I got a two-wave hold down and the third wave pushed me on top of the whole cliff where you jump off. And I think to this day, it's still probably the heaviest wipeout that I've had. But I don't know if it's just that whole thing of that first big wipeout and you get hit properly, it's kind of like just shocks you and then you kind of get used to it. But um, that was the worst wipe I'd ever had. And then I ended up moving up here maybe, you know, six months later. And then, yeah, as you said, you discover how many, there's so many ways. Like Shark Island has three different ledges, breaks left, right. You got Vui, you got another four reefs along from Vui. And then you got Suck Rock and Cape. And then the thing that is the biggest draw card for me now too, rather than maybe moving back to Aladala, which, you know, I love it down there, but just having the airport so close, like you're 30 minutes to, a f- and then you're flying to wherever wave you possibly want to surf. Like it's just so, it's so insane. And you got the city close by. It's pretty, but it's still like, it's, it feels like a bigger version of Aladala. It's still got this core underlying surf town. Like it's not full city slicker. There's definitely, definitely a pretty epic surf community here. Yeah. Like in my mind, it's its own little city within a city, Cronulla. Like, 
it's it's part of Sydney, but it's it's definitely its own little bubble. Like, and the guys that come out of there who surf, you know, they've got a different skill set, uh, or at least, yeah. Like, I mean, obviously, guys from Bondi would would go down and surf the Cape and these waves, and uh, there'd be guys from Cronulla uh, who would live in Bondi and who became really good surfers in our board riders club. But, uh, yeah, man, like you look at guys like Kirk Flinoff, um, you know, Jezza Herback, like going back a bit, but. Terrapire, like all these guys are just such wizards in, in heavy water. Fuck, man. I was looking at this photo of Kirk uh, just like the last couple of days at Bowie's uh, and it's, man, it looks like pipeline. It's so big. You, people, I like, think people forget how big it can hold. Like it, it's like yeah. a proper eight to 10 foot. Like he's just standing straight upright in the craziest left cone. Yeah, and then that like there's that, and then there's a couple of the reefs that they just name like one, two, three, four, whatever. There's a bunch of other reefs, and they they like there's one of the one of the reefs out there can handle as big as a swell can possibly get. Like it's so it's so insane and pretty untapped because when the coast lights up, there's those big name spots that everyone goes to. But yeah, as you said, like guys like Terrapire, that's kind of <clears throat> when I moved here, they were kind of like the guys you're looking up to, the Ox. They were kind of rule on the place, and um, Terrapire has moved up up your way now, but up towards I think he's in the back of Broken or whatever there. But yeah, he was probably definitely one of the best guys to ever surf around here. Yeah, he's up here playing mellow like percussion <laughs> in some like jazz band, no doubt some jazz fusion band. Yeah, living, he's a, living... living a secret double life. Uh, he's a, he's, a, he's yeah he's he's a wizard, some <laughs> kind of wizard. Oh, it's one of the, the funniest contrasts in a human being ever. Just the fucking biggest cone fiend maniac. And then he's just playing the most chilled reggae drums. Yeah, dude, I've, I've seen like like back in the day when I was a grom, there was just like one photo of him and it's like 10 foot east one at Surge and he's on a single fin just like riding the wall all the way. It's pretty, pretty iconic. What the fuck? That's psycho. Oh man, amazing! Well, yeah, bro. Thanks so much. I guess that's a, a good place to leave it. But uh, yeah, amazing. Thanks so much for your time and uh, oh, legendary for often that you you're coming good, man. I was yeah, I was so bummed to see you get hurt in those circumstances. But yeah, all things for a reason, I'm sure. Yeah, it's like yeah, definitely one of those one of those things. But they always you always seem to like learn a bunch from it and then come back stronger. So looking forward to it. Sick, bro. All right. Thanks, brother. Legendary. Legend. Take care. See you, legend. See you, bro.